Hey everyone, I'm Jesse Sparks, host of the new podcast, The One Recipe, from the team behind The Splendid Table. This pod is all about that one recipe that you lean on. The one you share with friends, the one you make when you need a little love, and the one you know will work every single time. Every week, I talk with chefs and gifted cooks from all over the world about their one and the story behind it. We're here to help you build your kitchen library one dish at a time. Follow The One Recipe wherever you get your podcasts. The world is a dumpster fire. I'm Amy. And I'm Grace. And we want to fucking help. We're comedy writers in Los Angeles, and as a reflex to the madness on the news, we're keeping it positive, but opinionated. We talk about cultural moments we love. Talk to people we adore. Crushes we have. And self-care we stand. During these trying times, we all need a show that focuses on joy. This is The Antidote. Hello, everybody. I don't know why I said it like that. Whoa, hello, hello. everybody. <laughs> wow, okay. She been uh, drinking. She been drinking. She drank it uh, last night, unfortunately. <laughs> Caught up with you. <laughs> Little hungover, but uh, we're, we're going to make it through. Um, it's going to be fun. Yeah, speaking of drinking, I've just been daydreaming day in, day out about our trip to Jamaica. Like how great it was. It was so fun. You know, me and Amy and two other good friends of ours were out there in Jamaica. The food was incredible. The drinks. The drinks were incredible. The times oh were had. We started yes. the new year off right. It Thank was amazing. You. I love to travel, like, right before the new year, right after, and, like, just, like, get new energy in my body. Travel always makes me feel creative. Being in new spaces always makes me want to write. Mm. And actually, we talk about travel a little bit with our guest this week, Roy Wood Jr. of The Daily Show. We talk about a trip that he's been wanting to take for a really long time. Um, mm. and we get into it. But in general, I just think that travel is such a beautiful way to just like remind yourself that the world is bigger than where you are. Um, yeah. Yeah. So just, yeah. Also, just like being with your friends in a different space. Yeah. It allows you to get like deeper with them because, you know, usually we like see each other and it's sort of like, oh, okay. Like, you know, we're catching up on work stuff because so much shit has happened, you know? Yeah. And yeah, we definitely did some of that. But I feel like once we were able to release that, we got to spend more time together. And it was just really nice to like just vibe with how everyone's feeling. You know, it's great. Yeah. Okay. Well, Amy, let's get into this show. Starting now up top with our bummer news of the week. A Reddit post recently asked what women would do in public if they didn't fear men approaching them, and it yielded some kind of depressing answers. Mm. A Reddit user posted on the subreddit r ask women, women of Reddit, if there were no dangers out there on the streets, what would you be doing freely with no hesitations whatsoever? Mm. And people said anything from offer to help people more often. Um, I've read too many stories about people faking needing help to lure others in. They said I'd smile more, make more eye contact and say hello to strangers, safe in the knowledge that these actions wouldn't invite sexual harassment. People said I'd love to not have to lecture my daughters regularly on safety. And people said I just want to be my warm, happy self. But even my wedding ring and insistence of my adoration of my husband doesn't stop them. Mm. And literally, there's a full list that can be found in the article link. And what it made me think, honestly, I was like, Ooh, men make us uncomfortable. And that's a bummer. But also, 
it sounds a little bit like this is more of a society problem than just a gendered one. Because I bet men been a little shitty since the beginning of time, but we're no longer <laughs> in a time where you just like up and trust a stranger. So as a society, it's kind of sad that we can't connect with our neighbors the way we used to. Like, we just don't yeah. really trust people anymore. And how? <laughs> how can we? <laughs> yeah. I mean, how can we? I mean... I was raised just like any other girl in this world, not even just this country, um, that is told, like, don't talk to men. Like, they will follow you. They will do anything. You know, of course, like every woman that lives in this world, not just this country, Mm -hmm. I've been followed. I've been harassed. I've been grabbed. I've been groped. And so I feel like this has made me so sad because I'm just like, I don't know. I I guess it was an interesting question to ask to maybe make men see, like, what we go through. But I was just like, I don't know. Sometimes when you ask these questions, it just Mm. makes you even sadder to realize all the ways and the limitations that we put on ourselves as women. Like, we can't, you know, go for a walk late at night or go for a jog early in the morning. You know, you can't stop people from following you and overpowering you. And now, you know, with the extra proliferation of so many guns (laughs) that people can, like, conceal carry or whatever, it just makes it really frightening to just be in public, period. So, yeah, I mean, I was just like, I guess it's always good to remind men, maybe stop being so fucking creepy and then we could live better. But I just know that's not the lesson that's going to be taken from that. Like, because all of this is just like exploring women's feelings. But for some reason, it never seems to translate to men be better and stop doing that, you know? Yeah. But honestly, the exploration of this just literally made me sad because I know that there's no movement to try to make men do it less. So I'm just like, oh, who is this for? I don't know. I have to ask the same thing. I'm like, who is this for? Is it for women just to feel sad? Or is it for men? Here they go, hating us again. Not all men. You know, I'm just like, who is this for? I'm just like, so sometimes when these types of things get explored, I'm just like, what is your intent with exploring this? Because it does feel like recycling trauma for the Mm -hmm. masses when we as women have to say what we go through. Sometimes it's painful to relive those experiences. And I do think that's a valid question. Who is this for? But that's not the only bit of bummer news this week. The next thing up is that a man's Tesla ordered him to pull over to the side of the road recently, and then it shut down and trapped him inside. Mm -mm. This happened to a British YouTuber named Tom Exton, who collects cars, and he had been driving his new Tesla for only 15 minutes on a full charge when the car proceeded to warn him to pull over. He followed the instructions, and within minutes, the car had shut down and trapped him inside. He only had his Tesla Model Y for five days. Mm -mm. Now, the Tesla, I know, I'm like, how creepy. Um, Somehow, he broke the driver's window is what he explained in his video. And after exiting the car, Exton proceeded to wait two hours in 26-degree Fahrenheit weather for roadside assistance, quote, in the middle of nowhere. And the source was not able to be retrieved until six hours after the incident. So Exton released a tweet and made a video about the incident on YouTube. And for me, I'm like, all you Tesla users out there, Y'all okay? Because all I hear is like, Teslas be combusting. Teslas be shutting down. Teslas don't work no more. And I'm just like, like we said last week, AI gonna take over. And if your car is so smart that it can trap you inside, 
I don't know if you should be driving that car. I know. It makes me, like, afraid for the future. Like, is it going to be a situation where, like, the police can, like, deactivate somebody's shit, have them pull over? You know what I'm saying? Like, if a car can do that, like, what are the nefarious things that people can do with that technology? I really—that's really frightening to me and yeah I mean it, these cars don't seem to like work well so people are spending all this money for the status symbol of the Tesla but it seems like the technology has not been worked out yet yeah. so yeah a car should not be able to do that especially a brand new car like that's what's crazy and it, it, like nothing should ever trap you in a car nothing no. because what if he had crashed and he's yeah. like on fire inside the car and he can't get out, there should never be any mechanism that traps you inside. If nothing else, like if the car pulls over, like it should automatically unlock all the doors, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that should be part of its engineering. Also, I'm mad at this article because they didn't even say why this all happened. Like, what's wrong with the car? (laughs) I just want to know what's wrong with the car. (laughs) Just another reason not to get a Tesla. (laughs) Yeah, I'm just stressed now. Not that I was going to do it anyway. Uh, That's why I'd be walking. I can't drive nowhere. (laughs) Anyway, how do you feel talking about this, Grace? Uh, Yeah, this is, these are bummers, both of them, for sure. How about you? Pretty much the same. (laughs) Okay, let's get into this antidote. So this is a segment where we tell you about the culture we consumed and things we did this week that made us feel better about the bummer news. What was your antidote this week, Grace? So I've been committing to a lot more hair care. I wear a lot of protective styles. I wear braids. I wear, you know, stuff like that. And so uh, sometimes when you wear like braids back to back to back to back to back, like it's not the Mm -hmm. best thing for your hair, to be honest. And so um, in the past couple of years, I've just try to like, let's be a little bit more cognizant of the hair that it's growing out of your head. Like a protective style means that you're supposed to protect it. You're not supposed to just use it to avoid doing your hair. So the first thing I did when I came back from vacation is that I went to uh, this hair salon in LA that I really like, and I got a blowout and silk press and I got my hair professionally colored. I got a trim and I got like an oxygen mist treatment. So, and then, you know, she puts me in the dryer with rollers and like afterwards, like she did a silk press so I could kind of see where my hair was at. And then I got like a little style and I wore it for like a week. And it was really nice because like I switched my hair up. It was like my actual hair that people were seeing (laughs) for once. And um, I then had a session with my braider, um, who's a friend of mine. Like, you know, she braids my hair for hours and she comes to my house. So we have just a really lovely time as she's braiding my hair, chatting. And, you know, so like hair care, more or less, was my antidote. Like, getting my hair pressed and really taking care of it and like deep conditioning, doing the trim, all that different stuff. And then putting it in its protective style, which is right now knotless braids. And, you know, also having just the time to kiki with my braider and stuff like that. It just felt really good to like take care of my hair at the top of the year and continue to sort of develop a process on how I can actually make my actual hair <laughs> more healthy and strong in the future. So that was my antidote. Um, what was yours? 
So kind of like I said, when we were chatting up top about missing Jamaica, for me, it's like photos from the holidays. Like this week, work is like fully back in the swing. And I love what I do. We both love our jobs. Mm -hmm. And yet it is really nice to have moments to relax and disconnect. And that's what the Mm -hmm. holidays were for me. I remember I even told my family, I was like, I'm not leaving this couch. I will do two (laughs) activities. You choose what those activities are wisely because I'm not being trotted out around fucking Texas. I'm like, you choose the two things and I'm not doing nothing else. (laughs) And they were like, okay, girl, damn. So like literally, (laughs) um, uh, like now, Now, looking back at all of that quality time that I spent with my family and getting to go on Mm -hmm. vacation with you and our friends, like, I know that Instagram is not real life. I like to go to Instagram not only to see what my friends have posted, but I post so that I have these memories. And Mm -hmm. so I made a concerted effort while I was home and while we were in Jamaica. I'm like, let me take photos. And so when I get to go back like this week and like relive those experiences, lots of times I go on Instagram to look at my own damn page. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to look at my photos and remember the highlights of my life. And um, that was really nice this week. It's just like actually being like, oh, I'm going to go on this damn app. And mm-hmm. instead of just like compare and despair to everybody in your orbit, like maybe just take in your own life and see yeah. how great it is. And the things that you've done that have been really positive and impactful for you mm-hmm. as you start this year. So that's something that I think is super relatable and chill and easy. And to do it with the spirit of not like, oh my God, I'll never have this again. Or, well, that was great. But when will it happen again? But really just to remember the memory and be like, that was a fun time. I had a good time. Like sometimes yeah. I've scrolled back and looked at like yacht ship photos and been like, damn, what a time we had. And then I just go on with my day, you know? But I'm like, that's why we take them is to remember those memories and enjoy them again. And so that was my antidote this week, just kind of like reliving our vacation by enjoying the highlight reel. Yeah, I love doing that. And sometimes I love to even like go down a little rabbit hole. Like, you know, when your iPhone like gives you that little picture, like three years ago, da, 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 da. Um, Sometimes I'll just use that as an opportunity to go back and revisit. Yeah. But yeah. That's awesome. Well, again, maybe not quite a connection between our antidotes this week. I would say like they're both about doing something that is routine, but making it special. Yeah. Both our antidotes were about that. So maybe that's something for our listeners to take away. What's routine in your life that you can kind of just like turn the volume up on and make special? If you guys tried any of our antidotes at home, share them with us using the hashtag That's My Antidote or leave us a voicemail at 833-684-3683. We mean that, y'all. Leave us a voicemail. One more time. That's 833-684-3683. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back to The Antidote. We have a special guest today. Who is it, Amy? Our guest today is a comedian, writer, actor, producer, podcaster. He'd be doing a lot. He joined Comedy Central's Emmy-nominated The Daily Show with Trevor Noah in 2015 as a correspondent and Entertainment Weekly called his brand of comedy charismatic crankiness. And frankly, I agree. His first Comedy Central one-hour stand-up special, Father Figure, debuted in 2017, the same year he was named the new host of Comedy Central's storytelling series, This Is Not Happening. He has executive produced documentaries for PBS and HBO Max, and his podcast, Roy's Job Fair, is one of our faves. Yeah, it was such a pleasure to talk to him. And we did talk to him before our vacation. So in the interview, it says that we are going to Jamaica, but we already went to Jamaica by the time we're talking here. So um, we're excited for you to hear that conversation. 
please welcome the great Roy Wood Jr. Thank you. Like I had such a an urge to do like like I don't know why I wanted to take it back to Arsenio. It's the baseball. It's the baseball. People don't know Roy sitting in front of a baseball. Yeah, yeah, that's my sport. That's what I love. That's my cigarette or my I black and mild or whatever the weed smokers <laughs> smoke when they can't smoke weed. <laughs> I was just telling Grace I've been to Dodgers Stadium maybe like twice. I saw the Dodgers play once and then I saw Beyonce. And so baseball's my sport too because, you know, it invited Beyonce into her home. Here's the thing. <laughs> when I was a kid, my little brother had a baseball game called MLB Baseball, and I used to play that game. And that is all I know about baseball. Like a video game? What? Yeah. It was a video video game. game? It was like on the Nintendo. You know, the kind of... I'm old, so... You know, you had to... RBI Baseball, bases loaded. Yeah. That's it. That's it. RBI Baseball. That's it. Bases loaded? I know what that means. (laughs) Not that exactly. You can get an RBI as a result of a home run. (laughs) Yes. I'm going to stop talking now. Y'all ain't going to trick me into mansplaining baseball. Uh -uh. (laughs) Uh-uh. Nice try, motherfuckers. (laughs) He tried to get me. He almost fell in our traps. He's trying to get you canceled. <laughs> yeah, it's it is the perfect analogy for life. It is a game where failure is more prevalent than mm. success. Whoa! And the only way to be successful is to forget about your past ah. failure and to immediately try again. So you know, I don't know. I, I like it. And baseball also is like kind of how I live my life. I want to be around people, but I don't want you motherfuckers too close. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like it's the one sport where nobody's close to you. Oh, that's really, true. At all, ever. Unless you win at the end, and then they all hug. They they sometimes yeah, pat each other it. on the booties, but other than that, yeah. If I'm on, if I slide to a base and you're trying to tell, okay, there's a little close contact. Yeah, pat mm-hmm. on the booty. How you been? Good to see you. All right, get the fuck away from me. Go on back to your position. <laughs> You're right. Your analogy for baseball is also a good analogy for improv. Uh, failure is more prevalent. And I can't remember the rest of what you said, but I was like, that's improv. <laughs> I was also pretty shortly in improv just because, like, I got into it when I was too old. Like, I started trying to... You're like, I'm too old for this shit. <laughs> I'm just like, I tried, <laughs> I tried improv at, like, 31. And I was just like, you know what? That's too They're old. like, do you want to come and practice at our practice team? And I was just like... At 10 p.m.? No, I would not <laughs> like to Tuesday? because I have a full-time job. <laughs> All these fucking like 18 to 23 year olds They're like let's go out to the bar afterwards I was like no I, I have to do my taxes Balance <laughs> 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 my checkbook That's too much I'm so sorry much. I have to clean my rotary phone <laughs> There's definitely a skill set to it Like I got exposed The first week On the Daily Show the first segment I ever did yeah. was a police bias piece with Jordan Klepper. Yeah. And so they sent us to Madison, Wisconsin. Like, at this point, I'm still living in hotels on mm. airline miles when I got wow. The Daily Show. And they're like, yeah, motherfucker, go to the airport. You're headed out for your first story. And you were like, more miles. <laughs> for the hotel. <laughs> Sounds good. This going to give me two more nights. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in. So low down. And they gave us, you, know, you get the run sheet with the questions, and you, you kind of know if he zig, I'll zag. I know what yeah. my play is going to be. But Jordan Klepper, who was like on some improv Godfather shit, 
My fucking never looked at the fucking sheet. Oh, no. And he's just making magic with this dude. And using all the techniques of improv, I'm going to take your answer. I'm going to twist it. I'm going to yeah. say yes, but I mean no. I'm going to not no, but say yes. Like, it uh-huh. was just every thing you could think. And I was just like, oh, my God. that I'm, I'm going to get fired. Oh, this man. motherfucker is too good. I don't know how to do any of that shit, bro. And they just kept cutting to you. Yeah. <laughs> Looking like stunned. Yeah. I'm like watching him in the middle of the scene. Like, Roy, it's your turn to talk. Oh, okay. So, yeah, but no, improv, I'm not good at. That's all right. You know what? We're not here to talk about your accomplishments or your failures. We're here to check in, you know? Yeah. How are you feeling today? Like, for real, not small talk. How are things going? Is there anything weighing on you in life? You feeling good today? Uh, I feel okay. You know, I've been a little... That's a good question. It's it's kind of one of those ones. It's tough because how you doing is such a fluctuating question. It's true. Like, I've joked about it, but it's like one of those questions that you shouldn't even ask anymore unless you, like, legit mean it. Yeah. Because we haven't created a delineation in our society mm-hmm. with that question. Because it's like, how are you doing right now in this moment versus how are you doing overall climate versus weather type mm-hmm. of shit? Mm-hmm. And you ask a motherfucker about the weather, and then they tell you climate. And you're like, oh, I didn't <laughs> oh, know they were mad for this. <laughs> the ice caps you go set fine, but uh, <laughs> now I learned yeah, about your say it's you cold. generational trauma. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like for real. But no, you know, I'm, overall, I'm in a good place. Mm-hmm. I have a plan. And so as long as I have a plan, I think I'm good. Yeah. Like when I say a plan, I mean mm-hmm. career wise, because, you know, mm-hmm. You know, as a man, as a father, that stuff comes yeah. paramount to mm-hmm. everything else. For you sure. know, even as a co-parent in that regard, if we really want to get granular on it, like making sure that folks are straight in my life who mm-hmm. need to be straight, mm-hmm. you know, starting with the boy. I'm trying to think of the most concise way to say it. It doesn't have to you be You don't have concise. to be concise. Yeah. Yeah. We're here to listen. Okay. Well— Trevor left The Daily Show, so I'm trying to figure yeah. out what the next move is. And I've spent a greater part of the Q4 of 2022 figuring that out. And now I think I have a plan of what my approach will be to content creation in 2023 that exists independent of whether or not I end up hosting The Daily Show or hosting anything else that's out there. You have to be able to have success and have a plan that exists independent of other people's Mm -hmm. decisions. I do not want to ever be at the mercy of someone else's decision to decide whether or not my 2023 Mm -hmm. can be great. And I finally have a plan that ensures that in the least so I can sleep a little bit better. So there's that. And I might have to get my jaw broken to fix my sleep apnea. Oh, damn. Ooh. Yeah, I'm not it's I'm not scared of it. It's just God damn it. Now, really, now is when you're gonna break my jaw. But when I look at the calendar, it is the statistical best possible time. Now is the time. I yeah. Mean, and you know, y'all know when the end of December, most of January, the industry is dead for the most part. There's not a lot of meetings to be had and yep. things are slow. So yeah, we going to Jamaica. See? <laughs> Mm-hmm. I've never I've never been to Jamaica. I've only gone to like one or two Caribbean islands. I'm not really a hot weather beach kind of guy. I'm weird in the sense that if it's about happy place, it's more about 
mm-hmm. the journey than it is the destination. Like I have been trying, yeah. I've been fucking mm-hmm. trying for mm-hmm. years to find four days to just ride the Amtrak from New York to LA in a, oh in my a sleeper God. car. Do it! I would love that. But as a parent, I cannot find four consecutive days yeah. to just be on a train or just be overseas, you know. Like, Ooh, I I'm, want this for you. We need to find this for you. I want this for you. We need to figure, figure yeah, it out. Yeah, this is really cool, actually. Because you deserve. Like, that sounds like a, yeah, you deserve it. And also, that sounds like a thing that can be planned for. Also, let me add this little detail. The bigger room cars on the Amtrak have a shower because I can hear your people listening right now yeah. going, Ugh, four days on the train, you fuck it. Being like, this dirty man, this funky <laughs> nigga show up yeah, in my showers. Fuck it, just fuck it coming off the train. A personal no, shower. Yeah. You're not sharing this with everybody in that car. Okay, I just... It's not a communal <laughs> shower. I just, I know. Um, First he mansplained to him, then I found out he don't wash his legs. <laughs> But uh, the show is called The Antidote because life is hard and we all need different antidotes to deal with the bullshit. So what is your antidote, Roy? What is the thing that's non-work related that is bringing you joy this week or this month? Uh, Two things, jigsaw puzzles and Legos with my child. Whoa, those Those are are two good things. They are very still and single thought activities. They are Mm -hmm. great thought cleanser. I've learned a lot about leadership mm-hmm. from just, you know, just doing, like, like if you want to learn leadership, play, try to build something with a child oh with gosh. no directions. Oh my. Like just freestyle Legos. Then do something that has directions and it's two totally different experiences. And wow. it's like such a duh moment of your team needs a plan. If you give your team a plan, they'll know how to go and execute. Ooh. And I was like, thanks, son. <laughs> Even though you didn't know you gave me that idea. How old is your son now? He's six. Six? Oh, that's such yeah. a sweet age. Um, yeah, my nephew yeah. is four, so you've just given me an idea that I think I want to start Legos with yeah, him. Yeah, I'm telling you, Legos, yo, playing with children is such a simplistic joy that you forget. You forget about the simplicity of life mm. as an adult. Because yeah. Everything has stakes in your life. Every moment has stakes. And kids have no stakes. No. And so they behave as such. And it's just, I don't know, it's just something freeing that, you know, you can. I could say, yeah, spend time with my kid because I love my kid. But also, I kind of get something out yeah. of this shit, too. Like, That's nice. <laughs> my relationship with Legos is that my parents are from the Caribbean. I grew up in Michigan. And from since I had awareness, I was like, Michigan, I got to get the fuck up out of here. So what I used to do as a little girl, I used to try to build Lego helicopters to take me to New York. What? (laughs) Did you sit on on them? What happened? What happened when you were done? It didn't work, Amy. That's what happened. And then I used to try to dig a hole to to China. I was just like, anywhere... Bye. Get me out of this hell. <laughs> you really wanted to get the fuck up Where they won't eat my parents' food and they, they're mean to me. Because <laughs> they, my parents, have access. I'm obsessed that you were trying to get away <laughs> so bad. You're like, I'll go up or I'll go down, but I will not stay here. <laughs> took me took, took me till I was 23 to leave, but... <laughs> Roy, you mentioned in an interview with Colbert that going to therapy 
shows you all the people who aren't in therapy and how you help them. I'm curious, how do you find the balance between, especially as someone that a lot of people speak to freely, how do you find the balance between caring for yourself and caring for others? Um, I'm still finding that line. Mm. Like I'm just not getting to a place of like being selfish with my time. Mm. Just with people. Like I my career, in my opinion, is a result of a lot of people taking chances mm-hmm. on me and doing mm. solids for me or giving me a piece of their time when they didn't owe me mm-hmm. that. So I've always tried to pay that forward by being accessible to younger comedians yeah. and interns. Like there was, a, there was a PA on a pilot I shot six years ago and she reached out out the blue asking some questions about some job shit. So I was like, all right, I'll talk to you for 30 minutes. But like those moments, being a little stingier, And not from a place of not wanting to help, but also recognizing I just need to sit still. Because what I also am finally realizing is that an important part of my creative process is stillness. And when I look at the things that feed my creativity, the one thing that I've had less and less of over the last seven years is stillness. Mm -hmm. And I think that my creativity has suffered as a result of that. Mm -hmm. You know, when I was a road comedian... I wasn't booking shit for real, for real. Like, if I'm being honest, Amy, when we met on the ABC joint with Whoopi, that was the first thing I'd booked other than Sullivan and Son. I was in L.A. seven years. I only booked two things. And when we met, that was one That's wild. So 20 days out the month, I was in another time zone driving a rental car telling Mm -hmm. jokes. But that time in the car by yourself is stillness. Mm -hmm. And that's when my brain starts... And that's when the stuff comes up. And defending my stillness has become something I have to be active about and saying no. Yeah. Saying no. I mean, that's a whole word because it it is like so hard. And me and Amy have talked about this before, like— you know, especially as Black women, especially like, like a little Black girl asking me for something, I'm just like, oh, man, I can't. It's so hard to say no, but if you do that all day, then, it, you know, you do damage to yourself over a time. And so I'm more deliberately choose mentees and really pour into them rather than doing like a bunch of different meetings all the time. Just quick transactions, Yeah. What's unfortunate, though, and what has to happen to a degree, and I don't like this, but it's the only way to preserve the existing friendships, is you have to kind of sort of explain what you're doing to the people that you've already had regular contact with. Because there are a lot of people also who are using you to fill a void that they haven't addressed. And so their contact and you being accessible is their therapy It's not conducive in the long run for them, but they don't recognize that. So they don't hear, I'm not talking today or I'm not hanging with y'all. They hear, you can't get to what you need. And so then they attack your own desires and then they start trying to do triage on your own psyche and tell you what you need. But if you really look at the conversation, it's usually reverting back to something that benefits them. When what they should be saying is, I respect that. Call me whenever you want to come back around. Like, because that's the hardest thing is that I got a partner. We were supposed to go somewhere uptown, go watch some shit. 
And then I ain't hear from her for like two weeks. And then she just hit me back. Yeah, hey, I was in a funk. Yeah. Uh, but let me know if you want to catch up. And it was all love. Yeah. And I didn't. Yeah. I ain't chastising. I ain't, eh, you, why you ain't hit me? <laughs> like the people who playfully chide you for never being around or not showing up or not that shit is for real and I don't that, them motherfuckers ain't playing yeah they're not playing it's a joke rooted in truth and mm-hmm. you didn't do what they think you should do so they're gonna figure out a playful way to give you truthful shit yeah. about it and kiss my ass mm-hmm. so yeah you gotta be watchful for folks like that cancel them plans I fully agree you don't wanna go cancel that's so great I mean and I could tell that you've been to therapy. Like, awareness is so much a part of the journey because a lot of people walk around here unaware of what their issues are or why they haven't done that or, like, why they're angry all the time or why they're upset. And so it's good that you are taking care of your mental health and, you know, learning these things about yourself and that you're curious about it. May I ask a question about therapy and dating since I got two Black women? Yeah, for sure in my presence here for a second because this is my first time being single during the mental health movement. And, you know, Uh last time I was single, like, you know, you you read an Oprah (laughs) book and go on about your shit. (laughs) She helped a lot of people. That was therapy. She really did. (laughs) But I went out with someone and she asked me, well, have you told your therapist that we went out? And then, well... What did the therapist say? Like, basically, what is your therapist? But I understood why she was asking, but because this is all new to me, I didn't know how to process the shit. So in my head, I'm like, motherfucker, I can tell you what I'm talking about my therapist. (laughs) (laughs) But what she was trying to ask was, hey, nigga, has your therapist said that you should be conducting and dating activities yet? Because she knows more about you and your journey oh. up until this point. Yep, yep, yep. And I and I ain't, I ain't had no answer for her, but I also didn't know that that's what I should be going back to my fucking therapist for. Like, I got other shit I got to talk to her about. This shit costs $100, $100 an hour. <laughs> that's, a, that's a cheap one, too. <laughs> shit. You, think you, you think I'm talking to her about you? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean... Yeah, I just met you, nigga. We went to Panera twice. The Panera bread. <laughs> For the record, black women, I would never take you to Panera. I would <laughs> Thank never you. Do that. Lord, <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, but, but no, where is the line in dating? Where is the line of, yes, I'm in therapy, but what I talk about in therapy is none of your business. I personally believe that what you and your therapist talk about is between you and your therapist. I don't even, like, my mother used to ask me, so <laughs> what did you talk to your therapist about? And I'd be like, none of your, like, I'm not telling you what I talked to, like, <laughs> and that's my mother. So I feel like a new person to you shouldn't ask. I feel like to me, knowing somebody is in therapy means that they're A, curious about themselves, and then they're examining, like, whatever. We all have some kind of trauma, especially being Black in America, okay? There's no— And the pandemic. We literally all We literally all do, but I'm just saying, (laughs) I feel like our reparations as Black people should be free therapy. Yes. (laughs) Because we just go through a lot. So I feel like me knowing that a person is in therapy is just being like, oh, they are actually taking steps to take care of themselves mentally. That's all it means. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, because if I give you the totality of the conversation, it, it all came from what I believe to be a place of concern. So I'll 
I'll judge it as that for now. But like, it's what's more interesting is when old heads who didn't come up with the therapy mindset and they didn't, they weren't taught how to unpack any of their own shit. Like my mom and I connect through casual conversation and through those conversations, little snippets of truth bubble up to the top. You know, whether I'm going through, you know, the job stuff, like if I'm being honest, like, you know, she and I had a long conversation about everything that's happened at Comedy Central over the last couple of months, you know, with Mm -hmm. Trevor leaving and then them doing guest hosts instead of just choosing a host out the gate or whatever. Yeah. And we didn't really talk about that specifically, but then she started talking to me about her job Uh and jobs in the past. And through those stories, she told me exactly what I needed to know and Mm -hmm. what I needed to hear in that moment. And I feel like old heads never quite have the words for what you're going through, but they always have, well, Wisdom, let me just take yeah. this door and this one time and this thing. Yep. Yeah. 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 You know, I quit a job one time in the middle of class. I'd understand, Trevor. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and you'd be finding out, like, my mom was a college professor. She just walked out on her students one day, like, yeah, I can do that. <laughs> I went to another school. That day. I live. I'm done with the school. Awesome. <laughs> like these new, these new advanced, these are 2.0 advanced. black women now. Like they are no, aware. No, we always been. We just talking now. <laughs> <laughs> we just felt comfortable now. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> I'm meeting these new models that's got the iOS update and they asking straight questions about your psyche and what you're going through. And I'm like, okay, this is fair. This is new, but let me adjust. Because I'm from a house where trauma and stuff like that was never directly addressed. Spoken Mm -hmm. Spoken. 100%. Hey, like my dad would come home and cuss you out. And then the next day there would be... You hungry? Yeah, all of yeah. your favorite groceries would be, and knowing what I know now about love language, and he was anxious yeah. avoiding. You start yeah. talking about attachment Let's styles go. and all of that shit. Let's it's go, like, Roy. okay, <laughs> pops was anxious avoided, didn't know how to bring the drama and actually unpack and apologize. So the nigga would buy me ice cream, and I was mm-hmm. also anxious avoided, mm-hmm. so I never confronted him on it. And I ate the ice cream, but made him think that the ice cream was how to get through to me. Mm-hmm. So we kept buying ice cream, yeah. and we just never solved yeah. any of the problems. So. Yeah. You get old enough and you figure that out. But it's just, you know, sometimes your folks don't know how to breach a topic. And that's why I think it's on us as the new generation. Like, you know, we have a chance. You know, my dad's, you know, he passed when I was 16. But any relative you have left, it might be on you to breach the topic. Because they don't know how. And they ain't going to never read a book. Dang. It's too late. They not going to do that shit. They not yeah. going to do that shit. They ain't here for so, that. You know, I appreciate it. But, you know, I think that that's what we're up against with our parents and our aunts and our uncles and our grandparents. And that I think because we have the knowledge of wellness and therapy, we have the tools to breach some of these conversations with them. And I just wish that the listeners are able to do more of that because you'd be surprised what type of wisdom yeah. you'll get on the other side of that. Because your folks made a lot of mistakes that they're embarrassed about, but they will fucking tell yeah. you all of them. That's so true. Yes. Yes. I completely agree. And learn. I think that is a great place to end. I am obsessed with that. Yes, everyone talk to an old head and get them to talk to you because you're right. We have the tools, so we might as well get them to open up. I feel so great now that we've talked to you, Roy. Thank you. This was this awesome. Is so I appreciate lovely. y'all. I, I really uh. do. This was so unexpectedly nice and kind. 
and fun. Oh, yay. Yeah. This is refreshing. Well, thank you for letting me come in and be honest. Yeah, and uh, where where can people find you on the internet? Uh, my name's in the episode description, so just put an at symbol in front of it or a dot com behind it. <laughs> that's where I am. Awesome. Thank you so much. This was so okay. delightful. Thanks, Thanks Roy. Roy. Hey, thank you all. So to close us out, we're doing our creative tap-in, which is our segment about creativity. Amy, are you ready for this week's quote? I sure am. Okay. Don't think... Thinking is the enemy of creativity. It's self-conscious, and anything self-conscious is lousy. You can't try to do things. You simply must do things. And that's by Ray Bradbury. I'll say it one more time. Don't think. Thinking is the enemy of creativity. It's self-conscious, and anything self-conscious is lousy. You can't try to do things. You simply must do things. And that's Ray Bradbury. Oh, that's a cool quote. And Ray Bradbury, didn't he write Fahrenheit 451? Yep, yep, yep. I love this quote, and I don't know why, just because his books are so, like, terse prose. I feel like he's someone who thinks a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but I think he means more like an action. And I love that this goes back to a topic we keep returning to, Grace, which is trusting your gut, yeah. trusting your instincts. Because I do feel especially now in the new year, people are turning a new leaf or considering new paths for themselves Mm -hmm. for 2023. Like, yeah, maybe we should stop trying to do things and maybe we should do them. I feel like as humans, it's, it's really easy to put roadblocks in the way of your own decisions. Like you come up with reasons why something won't work out or uh, you procrastinate to the last minute so that the work is bad so that you get to say, well, I, was, I did it last minute. That's why it's bad. Like we do things to self-sabotage and all of that stuff comes from being a little self-conscious. Like it comes from us like doubting ourselves and not thinking that we deserve the things that we deserve. And I do think there's something about just like throw yourself in the mix and stop overthinking it. If you want something, go get it. And I do like to plan, but I don't want to try anymore. I want to just do shit. Yeah. So I like this quote. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. When I first initially read it, I was like, I hate this quote. Oh, why? Oh, that's funny. Yeah. I just, I was just like, well, you have to, like, (laughs) you have to think, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, especially (laughs) like as a, as a TV writer, you kind of have to like think your way into things. Like, especially when you have limited time, like sometimes you don't have the time to like wait to like get inspiration. I guess I read the quote a little wrong because I was kind of like, don't think thinking is the enemy of creativity. I was just like, yeah, but sometimes you don't have time to just like, oh, I'm going to walk in a field of daisies. You know, sometimes all you have is like, I have to get this thing done by tomorrow. So I have to like think my way into this creativity. And honestly, yeah, that's probably not the best (laughs) creativity that you get. But sometimes you're just in situations where you kind of have to think your way out or like do the best you can with your thought process. But then when I read the second part of the quote, it's self-conscious and anything self-conscious is lousy. I'm just like, I don't know what magical world he's living in that you're going to avoid self-consciousness. Like as long as you're alive, you're self-conscious. And then you can't try to do things. You must simply do things. That is my favorite part of the quote because it sort of feels like 
I do think, and I have had this in my life where I, like you said, was making excuses for the reasons why I wasn't doing this or that, especially in relation to my writing career. You know, at one point I was an assistant. I was an assistant on a show that was very popular. And I was just like, being on this show is enough, you know, even though I was an assistant and I want to be a writer. And so once I actually took the steps to actually sit and dedicate more of myself to writing and less of my time to um, the other thing, then I feel like that's when everything changed. So I think I'm a big fan of doing and not thinking too hard about it, you know, and then we just talked to Roy Woods Jr. And, you know, he's been wanting to go on this train trip for a long time and he's been thinking about it. And I think that he should just do it. We just both told him that. So I think that that is the part of the quote that I connect to, but saying don't think, which is like very much like an improv thing. Like literally, I think I remember. <laughs> I don't think at, just do. At yeah, uh, UCB, I think they used to say don't think. And mm. I, I, so I think that that is a very idealized scenario creativity, but it doesn't necessarily translate to creativity in, in the real world of the world that we live in. Maybe if you're a novelist and you have more time to think about self-consciousness and all this stuff. I think that works for you. But like, as someone who's just like, we need this project, I think we have to shoot this shit today. Okay. But that, I mean, like, that's why I, I have to step in because I've been wanting to say like, that's why I actually think you are describing the quote. Like when something is due tomorrow, you can't mull over it. And I actually think you are agreeing with the top of the quote by what you're describing, because sometimes when that deadline is here, I actually sometimes like get more creative because I'm moving faster through my ideas as opposed to when I have all this time to be like, well, maybe it could be this. Maybe it could be that. Huh? Well, let me think about it. Mm, it's not due till next year. Let me think about it. Let me. Th and then when I'm like, oh, fuck, it's due tomorrow. Gotta go. <laughs> like sometimes I'm like, yeah, th in that essence, I sometimes do think thinking is the enemy of creativity. And maybe the way he's saying is a little like, overwrought, I guess, like hyperbolic or whatever. Like, But I really feel that what you were describing actually kind of supports the quote. Yeah, I think I overthought it. Ah! I overthought it. Because I did, I do like the part of the quote that says, you can't try to do things, you simply must do them. Because that yeah. makes me feel like it's what it's like to be a TV writer, especially in this moment where to support ourselves yeah. and to get through in these shows that we are all on yep. is that you have deadlines and you ha you're juggling three, four, eight projects. So there is a lot of doing that happens without a lot of thinking. Um, but just like Roy was saying, I do like to just get still and think, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I guess that's I what I am reacting to about the quote is that I'm so excited to like go to a mountain by myself and really yeah, think I, yeah, about I agree. like what I want to do rather than being like, ha, 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 okay, over here. Yeah, this yeah, yeah. You know, so I think that was what I reacted negatively to about the quote. But I think that you're right. The essence of the quote is what I'm describing, but I just had such a reaction to the don't think <laughs> thing. Sorry, Ray Badbury. I misunderstood you for a moment. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> well, maybe he thought about his quote a little harder. He could have been clearer. <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, or maybe if if I didn't bring my own baggage to it that I'm like dealing with currently, like right now, oh, like <laughs> shit that I'm trying to struggle with in my own career. Yeah. Um, Don't try. Simply, simply do. do. <laughs> simply Don't try str- and struggle with it. Just struggle. struggle. <laughs> Just struggle, Grace. <laughs> okay, on that note. Ah! Uh, <laughs> yeah, we got to get out of here. <laughs> Thanks for listening to The Antidote. We hope this injected a little bit of joy into your week. I know it did mine. How about you, Amy? I feel good, girl. We should do this again sometime. Oh, we'll be here next week. And in the meantime, if you'd like to follow us on social, follow me, Grace, at GracieAct. That's G-R-A-C-Y-A-C-T. And follow me, Amy, at Amy Aniobi. That's A-M-Y-A-N-I-O-B-I. And follow the show at The Antidote Pod. That's the with two E's. If you like feeling good about yourself, please subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Goodbye. And defend your stillness, y'all. The Antidote is hosted by us, Amy Aniobi and Grace Edwards. The show's production team includes senior producer Sierra Spragley-Ricks and associate producer Jess Panzetta. Our executive producer is Erica Krauss and our editor is Erica Janik. Sound mixing by Alex Simpson. Digital production by Miju Sayuni. Talent booking by Marian Ways. Our theme music was composed and produced by TT the Artist and Cosmo the Truth. APM Studio executives in charge are Chandra Kavati, Alex Shafford, and Joanne Griffith. Concept created by Amy Aniobi and Grace Edwards. Send us your antidotes at antidoteshow.org. And remember to follow us on social media at The Antidote Pod. The Antidote is a production of American Public Media. Yay, yay. Ooh, ooh.